We are The Table, and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time, and we want to give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope that this message moves you forward. And he heard, and he answered. Is there anybody in this house today who has sought the Lord? You cried out to the Lord, and he heard you, and he answered. See, the reason that I trust God is because when I sought him for myself, not because my grandma said so, not because the pastor told me, not because a neighbor told me, but the reason that I trust God now is because when I sought him for myself, he heard me and he answered. Can I encourage you today to walk in faith not for any other reason other than it's time for you to try him for yourself. I don't want you to do it for your spouse. I don't want you to do it for your child. I don't want you to do it because you made a promise to your mom on her deathbed. I don't want you to do it for any other reason other than so you can experience the glory of God and his faithfulness. So as we prepare to go into the message for today, that is my prayer to each of us allows our hearts to be open and our minds to be focused. God, I'm calling you, I'm crying out to you, and I'm seeking you for me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, trusting and trying you for ourselves. May you get the glory out of our time together. May you have your way at the table this morning. Lord, we know that we should trust you. But if we're honest with ourselves, we also know how hard that can truly be when life gets a hold of us. So today, God, I pray for the encouragement of your sons and daughters. Open our minds and our hearts so that we can hear from you for each one of us. Give us what each of us needs individually. Pour out into this service today. May you be glorified. In Jesus' mighty and miraculous name, amen. Amen. And praise God. You may be seated. Just to keep things interesting today, 
We have added a filter to the microphone so that my voice sounds slightly different. <laughs> that was a joke. I'm a little hoarse, but bear with me. Can you all hear me okay? Can you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> hey man, you all look good today for all of the new faces. How are you? God bless you. I am Pastor Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at the table, this wonderful ministry. God bless you. And I want to encourage you today, as Bethany said, we want you to come back not once, not twice, but three times so that you can see what we're really about and the consistency of it. And if you come back a second and third time, my voice won't sound like this. We hope. God bless you. Well, look, we are going to jump right into the text today. Oh, my goodness. God has been really with us in this series called Parent Guilt. How many of you have enjoyed this series? How many of you have said ouch a couple of times in this series? Because the point of this series is for us to take a look in the mirror about the way that we carry the weight of parenting in this generation. And parenting could be grandparenting, it could be a parental figure, but it's helping us really understand the pressures and the weight that comes with leading in this generation. So, today, I'm going to challenge you to see yourself not as the parent, but as the child. Today, I'm going to challenge you to see yourself not as the parent, but as the child. And I want to set some background for you before we get into the text. We're going to be in 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. But before we get there, I want to give you a little bit of background. So in the 15th chapter, we start to read about this notorious king and queen, uh, Ahab and Jezebel. And the thing that you need to know is that the land at this point for, 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 for generations, Israel, it was split. Israel was up north. Judah was down south. And the main thing that we need to understand about what's happening in this time is that everybody who was once a follower of God, has started to be sidetracked or started to, to, to step away from their belief in God and start to worship idols and false gods. Baal is the name of the one in this particular instance. You had a whole population of people, and you even had preachers and teachers and prophets who were going to teach you all about Baal, and they were coming to people who should know better but would sway them away, that they would turn away from God and start practicing these other behaviors. See yourself as the child and not the parent. How many times have you said to yourself or had said to you, now you know better than that. I raised you better than that. Well, this is essentially what is happening in we read about a prophet named Elijah, not my son. 
Just wanted to clarify that. But we read about a prophet named Elijah who essentially was a messenger from God who took on the challenge for himself to just fight up against this, this, what was running rampant and all this belief in false gods. And he took it upon himself to be God's spokesperson. And he went toe-to-toe, and the Bible records that he took down more than 400 prophets of Baal by himself. He was a warrior for God so much and he believed in God so much and God was faithful to him and with him so strongly that he said, I don't care how many of y'all it is. I'm not going to stand by and watch you tarnish my God. My God brought you into the world. My God going to help me take you. So, so, so after Elijah does this and he, he, he kills all of these prophets of God, the king, Ahab, he comes back and he says, now, apparently, some things hold true back then as they, they do now. Baal went to go, I mean, excuse me, Ahab went to go tell Jezebel, ooh, let me tell you what Elijah did. And he goes and he says, look, Elijah went out here and he took all the prophets out and he talking his God stuff and something needs to be done about that. And Jezebel, Jezebel sends Elijah a note and says, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be just as dead as everybody you killed. So this is where our, our scripture picks up. First Kings. Chapter 19, verses 4 through 8. Then he, Elijah, went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who already died. Then he laid down and he slept under the broom tree. But as as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and he drank, and he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. What we see here is Elijah, after getting word from Jezebel about what she was going to do to him, He got fearful. He got scared. He got up and he took off and he ran. He ran out of fear. He ran because he was scared of what this one woman was going to do to him. Now, the interesting part of that is I told you that he had gone out, stood toe-to-toe and killed more than 400 people by himself. So how could it be 
that God was with him and he was empowered and inspired and strengthened by God to deal with 400. But when it came to this one, his fear got the best of him. I want to talk to you on the subject today, out in the wild, out in the wild. One of the things that all of us fear is being alone. You may think, no, that's not me. I actually like being by myself. But when you're scared or you're fearful, you're nervous, you have anxiety, your emotions are running amok. Nobody wants to be by themselves. The thing that I think is very interesting about this is that how quickly Elijah forgets what God had already done. I find this very interesting how God can do a thing and just as quickly as he gets us through our biggest and greatest obstacles, he gets us past our biggest and greatest fears. Just as soon as that's over, we forget. And then all of a sudden we panic when the next challenge comes. I think it's very interesting that as parents, one of the things we expect our kids to do is to appreciate the things that we've done for them. I think it's critically important to remember that if you've ever been rubbed the wrong way by your child, chances are it's because they've challenged how much you love them or care for them. Because you won't go get them a Happy Meal right now, you don't love them. Because you won't go get them a new pair of shoes or the latest video game or allow them to stay the night at a friend's house right now. Then they don't like you. You never let them do anything. You always say no. If you got more than one of these loving little babies, they tell you how much you like the other one more than them. You let her always. I find it very interesting that just that quick, Elijah forgets how God had his back against the prophets of Baal. How quickly he forgets the strength and bravery that he found in God when he needed them, how quickly all of that just went right out the door. Parenting can be just like that. It can be just like that because it's like the perfect example of how we want God, but we don't fully trust God. How so? Well, 
Most of us think we're ready to have children until the pregnancy test confirms we're going to have children. And then the nervousness shuts in. Not for me, okay, fine. But what about that first doctor's appointment? And all the doctor's appointments after that? Or what about the person you're having the baby with all of a sudden ain't acting the same? What about when the traumas of our childhood and our fears show up that maybe it would be better if this jerk would just leave and get it over with because instead of just waiting until the baby is five and leaving and ruining my life like my childhood was left and everything was a big mess, why don't you just get out of here now? Maybe, maybe you moved on with your life and now you're starting your family but that ex that you never got over all of a sudden, all of a sudden realizes what they did wrong and tells you how sorry they are. And you start thinking about the green grass or the potential on the other side. And now you prayed to God to end the thing and he did. But now you've let it come back up because of what you wanted and not what God wanted. Maybe, maybe, maybe your pregnancy was nothing like that and it was all perfect. Fairy tales and lollipops. But then the doctor comes and tells you right before you have the child that there's a great risk to the child or the great risk to mom's health. See, what, I'm, what, I, what I want you to understand is these moments of parenting. Oh, and let's not even bring up the fact that you got to get these kids in kindergarten. Let's not even bring up the fact that I got to, every year, they got to go to a new class with a new teacher. Well, which teacher? Is it Miss W or is it Miss V? Because I want to have Miss V and not Miss W because Miss W is no fun and heaven forbid all the kids that Miss W taught have all dropped out of high school. Oh, let's not bring up the fact that when it's time for them to play on the sports team, oh, I love it. I can't wait till they go on the sports team. And then I see you with your face hanging to the floor about how many practices they have and how far you got to drive to the games and how much you can't wait till it's over. Oh, but these are the very things we pray for. And ask God to show up and help us lead the way. See, but the thing I want you to understand is, is that God does something in his parenting style that we all could learn from. He does something that's intricate to the way that we look at parenting, I asked you to see yourself today as child. See, God sees Elijah as son. And although 
Elijah should know better than to have this emotional response, and he should know better than to run in fear and go hide from the threat of this person. He should know better because of how faithful God has been to him. He should know better. But this is what he does that we can learn from. He recognizes that Elijah's behavior to run and be fearful is a result of his feelings, not of him rebelling against his faith, but his behavior is an expression of what he's feeling in the moment. What's happening is God doesn't say, oh, wait a minute. Since you're running now, you're turning your back on me. You, you don't like me. You don't love me. You don't hate me. You don't, you're not forgetting about me. But because of what you're feeling right now, that is why you're running. God recognizes something that we as parents have a very difficult time doing. Could it be that the very thing our kids need from us is to recognize the things that are impacting their behavior. When your baby is little, the baby cries, what do you do? What do you do? I pick them up. What else? Feed them. Change them. You recognize that the baby is crying. Oh, and this one's going hit, to hit a chord with the ladies, maybe with the, with the dads, maybe. Maybe, Todd, maybe. <laughs> How many of you, have a sh by a show of hands, hear a particular kind of cry and know what's wrong? All ladies. Delano, I see, I see you back there. I see you back there. Huh? YouTube video. <laughs> YouTube University, my man. You hear a particular kind of cry. Grandparents, ooh, this one gonna hit home with the grandmas. Give me that baby, you don't know what's wrong with that. <laughs> Give me this baby. Because, because, because what I hear, what I know about this baby is that it has a need. And because it has a need, I am the parental figure. I will take care of the need because they don't know to ask for what they need. They can't ask for what they need. As a matter of fact, babies don't know words. So they can't possibly be saying, ah, somebody changed my diaper. All they know is there's something what? Wrong. There's something that they need Somebody who knows better to take care of for them. They realize that they're, they're crying out because something about this situation is uncomfortable. It's overwhelming. It's not supposed to be this way. And I don't know what to do about it, so I kick, I scream, I yell, I flee, I run when I don't know how to handle and fix my own problem. God does something here. Instead of looking at Elijah and saying, 
You know better. Instead of bringing up all the times that he was there for Elijah before, he simply just stands in and does it again. How? Elijah flees and ends up out in the wilderness. He's out in the wilderness. If you're out in the wild, you do realize that there are things that can get you out in the wild that you might not even realize can get you. Let me put it to you like this. When you turn away from God, you are at risk of being attacked and you don't even know the risk. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't freak out about Elijah's feelings. No, no, no. He realizes right in that moment, and God prioritizes his physical need based on the environmental circumstances. Because without meeting those things, he knows that Elijah can't have the spiritual strength that he needs to deal with what's next. I have to tell you, I have to help you understand that there are certain things that God is trying to do for us. You have to understand that he knows better than you. Because what you don't see is the next assignment. What you don't see is the next attack. What you don't see is the next thing coming. So you have to let him work on you where you are. Because he knows how hard it's going to be for you to remember where you've been. Like God, parents must ask, what physical and environmental needs are behind our children's behaviors in order to teach and help them grow in every area, including spirituality. I know what you're thinking. They were raised in church. They should know better. They've been in the children's chorus. They've been in every Easter play. They were on the quizzing team. They were on the church basketball team. They were in Sunday school in every VBS. I taught them so they should know better. But you don't know what they're dealing with out in the wild. As parents and grandparents, you don't know. It is useless I know, you, I know you don't want to hear this because of how much you value walking to school in five, for five miles with snow two inches above your head, barefoot. And I know some of y'all grew up in the South. You lying. But this is useless. I know that is your frame of reference. 
but they are dealing with some stuff out in the wild. They are fleeing and retreating to their bedroom and slamming the door for a reason because what they are up against, they're scared of, they're fearful of. They don't know what to do about it. So they take off. You think they running away or moving around because they don't respect you. Could it be that their circumstances are putting them in a, in a situation and in a spaces they can't make sense of it for themselves? How are they going to communicate it to you? So here's what the Word of God says. Elijah, after he gets threatened, he takes off, he's fearful. He's scared. He prays. He says how exhausted and overwhelmed he is. And in his prayers, he asks to die. Elijah, this man, this prophet who should know better, who by himself took out and stood for God, But now he's so worn out and exhausted, he just wants it all to quit. So he asked for just that. His fear has caused him to be exhausted and overwhelmed. So parents, here's my question to you as you raise these kids and watch this generation where has your fear caused you to be exhausted and overwhelmed? God does not punish him because he's ready to quit. No, no, no. Instead, God wants you to know today that he sees you and he hears you. God says, my child, I see you and I'm here. What we know about Elijah is that after God meets him, gives him food, gives him drink, gives him water to meet his physical needs, you would think that would be enough. But as he awoke, the Bible records that the angel of God gave him more food, more drink, and told him, go lay down some more. See, many of us get a little piece of insight to what God is doing. We don't spiritually don't eat. And then God shows us a glimpse and we jump up. All right, let's go. I'm ready. Could it be that God has given you enough to remind you I'm here with you? But you still need more. Lay down, sit down somewhere. Maybe you need to sit down somewhere because you, now that you're not desperate for something to happen, you get a piece of it and you're just ready to go and jump. Maybe this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You got to understand that God is with you all the steps of the way. And you've got to tap in to check with him all the steps of the way. Just like you go to the doctor, all them times they tell you come back in one week, four weeks, three weeks, six weeks, 19 weeks, 22 weeks, 22. Can we get to year? Oh, wait a minute. Can we start talking in years? One of y'all come up to me another time talking about you got a 37-month-year-old baby 
There's 12 months in a year after we get there. Please convert it to years. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just a personal. How many weeks is this? Here's what I need you to understand. God met Elijah right where he was. And as the father figure to Elijah, and as the father figure to us, God does something that's almost impossible for us to do as we raise kids. We're trying to figure out all these details, and it's going to get overwhelming. It's going to get overwhelming. You don't have enough background. Your experience is not vast enough. You don't have enough information. And if you're not careful, you're trying to run the show. And you don't have enough content. All you're doing is swaying it your way. But here's what you have to understand. Parents, can you accept that God knows better than you what your kids need and what you need? Can you accept this fundamental truth? God knows better than you. I know what you want to tap into. I know, but God knows better than you. If we were to model what God is doing, see ourselves as the child the same way that you want your, you, come on, be honest. Be honest. I know it drives me nuts. Every room I go in in my house, every drawer and cabinet is open. <laughs> it literally drives me bonkers. If there was steam to come out of my ears, <laughs> every time I would look like a cartoon. <laughs> It drives me nuts. And on some days, I can just close it. Except for the day that I walk in the bathroom with only one eye open, and it's not the eye closest to the drawer. <laughs> and then I hit my leg, and I trip toward the sink, and my face almost ends up in the toilet that I just want to lose my absolute mind. And I don't know why the people in my house are trying to kill me. <laughs> now I say that because how easy it is in that moment to feel like they all are sabotaging me. But that's not reality though. That's not reality, unless it is, and we need to talk. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm telling you? That in the midst of lifing, in the midst of parenting, in the midst of leading, in the midst of guiding, in the midst of all of that, you have to understand God knows better. What we start to see in this walk, we sit here and we say, 
Okay. Okay. This parenting, okay, we've been talking about parenting guilt, and we've been talking about lifting this weight, and we've been trying to get perspective of what it means to, to lead this next generation. But you know what? If we see ourselves as the child to our Father in heaven, who is God, then just maybe we would operate with a bit more grace. Maybe we would operate with a bit more understanding. Maybe we would be more willing to think about how he loves us so that we can figure out how we love them. The important thing that we have to learn and see is the heart that God shows us in the midst of this. And we have to seek the heart of God. And when we seek the heart of God, then we realize that the behaviors of our children and the behaviors of us as God sees is a reflection of our needs. Just like you can see that little infant baby. God sees us like that. The way, the way you're doing stuff is a reflection of what you need now just as much as it was when you were an infant. So how else do we meet the needs of others, our children, our spouses, our family members, unless we trust God to meet our needs? How else are you going to do it? How? You can try it all you want. You can do it your way. You can try it all you want. But I'm here to tell you, God wants you to be reminded today that the way he does it is because he knows what we need and have need of even better than we know for ourselves. So if we're ever going to meet and stand up to that, that, that parental figure role, we ought to see it as he sees it. Be encouraged today. And Peter, the Bible records that the enemy, the enemy is roaming around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Can I remind you that a lot of what you're up, up against, that internal battle, that internal struggle that you're up against, the enemy knows that. And he plays on that. If he's roaming around, that means he's checking out the scene. He's listening to private conversations. He's snooping around. He's waiting, waiting for you to show what you're fearful of and what you're scared of. And then he uses that to his advantage. And if we're not careful, he will use that to devour us. Oh, but 2 Timothy 4 and 17 reminds me that the Lord stands by my side. 
And the Lord gives me strength. And that the word of God should take full possession of who I am and he will save me from the lion's mouth. Be encouraged today. Right now I declare that the mouth of the lion that is trying to devour you as a parent the mouth of the lion that's trying to devour you as a parental figure, the mouth of the lion that is roaming around looking for opportunities, I declare in the name of Jesus that the mouth of the lion is closed. You are to go forth knowing that when I stand on my maker's promises and when I lean on Jesus Christ and when I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit that then and only then am I fortified and the attack cannot go forth and prosper as you prepare to take communion today we reflect on the promises of God of his Savior Jesus Christ who gave of his body. If you don't have communion, I just lift, raise your hand. We'll make sure. This wafer, this cracker, represents the body of Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh who gave his life for you and I. That we may stand on the promises of God. That salvation and everlasting life and abundant life on earth is at our grasp. It is because of those promises that you and I can go forth as parents and parental figures, not fearful, of what the world can do, but empowered by what God can do. You may take communion. If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at the table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.